What's up, this Shaq Bear, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the 35th episode of Season 2. Today, we're going to be talking about my guys. These are the players that we believe in more than any others and the players that we believe will win people leagues. Join me. Joining me today are two returning guests for the annual My Guys episode. The first is a man who may just have the biggest muscles in the entire fantasy football industry. He is the lead writer of an Instagram page with over 45,000 followers. He is a great friend of mine. He is fantasy football state of minds, Dom Ruggs. What's going on, Dom? What's up, Alex? Happy to be back for the best episode of the season. Can't wait to talk about it with you guys. It, it truly it truly is the best. And part of it that makes the best is my other guest today, who is also a great friend of mine. He is the lead for social media on Barefoot Rehab, once bit a hole in his tongue, and is the owner of another fantasy Instagram page with over 48,000 followers. He is the fantasy football analyst, Joey Volpe. What's going on, Joey? Well, you didn't talk about my muscles, though. I mean, I don't think we have – they just – ours don't compare to Dom's. I think that's the biggest thing. That's true. Dom needs to get more. That's true. I do. I'm working on it. Hey, everything's I'm working a, on it. Everything's a process. <laughs> we're, always, we're always trying to get more and just keep moving up in the world. But, again, today, I'm so excited for this episode. This episode was, like, one of my favorite episodes I got to do last year because, again, my guys are – they're our guys. They're the guys that we're going after. Everybody has them, but they're so interesting to talk about and see how they hit. Um, and again, it'll be really, really, really interesting to see how these guys do at the end of the season. Um, but with that, let's get let's jump right into it today. Joey, who is your first my guy? All right, so this is gonna be this is gonna be a pretty big surprise, everyone. Because if you know me, you know, you may not even think about this guy, right? Just kidding, it's Joe Mixon. All right, it's Joe Mixon again, and I'm back on the train just like I am every year. Um, rather than leaving him to ma- to last, I'll just put him first. Look, last year he was being drafted at the end of the first round, beginning of the second round. And at that point, I thought that was, you know, that was his value. In the beginning of this offseason, he was end of the second, beginning of the third, kind of in that territory. But now he's back to, you know, mid-second, beginning of the second. And I think this is perfect spot to be taking him this year. Because not only is this situation like 10 times better than last year, but like, dude, I mean, he's going to be a running back one this year. And here's why, right? So last year, everybody likes to talk about his injuries and, oh, Joe Mixon can't stay healthy. Two years ago, he played 16 games. Last year, he had one injury, right? And he's fully healthy going to this year. Giovanni Bernard, no longer there. He's going to get a ton of targets. The last two games, he was healthy and he was playing. He has seven and eight targets. I mean, that's, if that expands to an entire season without Giovanni Bernard, he has real top five upside. Um, in terms of running on the ground, the offensive line, yes, it needs a lot of improvement. But they, they did add a draft, a draft. They did draft a guard in the second round. They added a right tackle in the offseason. And they added the center later in the draft, all of which I think could start and make this offensive line better. Yeah, so, I, I, you know, Frank, no, I'm not, I'm not done yet, Alex. Don't worry about that. Frank Pollock, 
the running back coach from 2018 that was with Joe Mixon. He's now back too. When Joe Mixon was with him, he had 4.8 yards per carry. He was a top 10 running back in this league. So there's just a lot working in Joe Mixon's favor that he didn't have last year. And uh, I'm just really excited. I'm as excited as ever. He's, I think this is finally the year where we all get him at a great value. Oh, I like, I like that. I like that. I think one of the things that's really interesting about Joe Mixon, I'll give the good and I'll also give the bad. Um, I mean, first, the first of all, the good, the previous two years, he played 31 out of 32 games. I don't think that, I think that goes unnoticed way too much, how much he actually was playing. And in those years, he was the running back 13 and running back nine. So when he's been healthy, I mean, he's been an RB one over the last couple of years, but the biggest thing, and we'll talk about this later with another, my guy is this is a stat from Ian Harditz, friend of the podcast. At running backs with 320 plus touches over the last 10 years are running back ones 98% of the time. And running backs with 280 plus touches are running back ones 87% of the time. That's only 17.5 touches a game without Gio Bernard. If Mixon stays healthy, which is a big if, um, I think that he's absolutely going to do that. I know that he only had one. Hold Hold on, hold on, hold on. I know he only had one injury last year, and I know that you're saying it's a midfoot sprain, and you can argue that he should have been in there. But I had Stefania Bell from ESPN on my podcast a couple weeks ago, and she said that she's actually more concerned than most people about Joe Mixon's midfoot sprain because the way that she explained it is the middle of his foot, as you would assume with a midfoot sprain. That's something that's the most crucial part of the foot for a running back. And if that's a little bit unstable because it's not fully there, it's a lot more susceptible to injury than normal because it was a little bit out of place before and he's already torn those ligaments. So they're more likely to tear again. She's not saying that Joe Mixon's not going to make it to the season, but she said she's more concerned than most people are that he might not. My counterpoint to that, not that I'm a doctor, but like Joe Mixon was practicing in full and he was ready to come back. He was at a point where he was ready to come back into the season. It's just the season was lost, so there was no reason for him to do so and extend his injury. So I'm not – I'm really – and that's good information, though, but I'm truly not worried about Joe Mixon. You're getting him at a discount as opposed to last year. Think about Lamar, right? Lamar Jackson. Last year, if you wanted him, you had to pay a second, third-round price for him. This year, his situation has arguably gotten much better with all these wide receivers and with a uh, – they finally got the play calling down in the second half of last year. So if they go into the year with that play calling and they have uh, Rashad Bateman, Marquise Brown, all those weapons at his disposal, he's got, he's got better. He's going to be better than he was last year. And he's three rounds cheaper. I think of it like Joe Mixon, end of the first, beginning of the second. Now you can get him middle of the second, end of the second. That's in the grand scheme of things, drafting early, that's much more value than last year. And his situation has gotten so much better. So, I think Joe Mixon is actually pretty good value this year. Yeah, I think I think he's a pretty good value. I just little worry a little bit more than most people about the injury just because of what Stefania said. Dom, what do you think about Joe Mixon this year? Well, I'm glad I can finally get a turn to speak. I was trying to like get a word in for the last five minutes, but uh, so for me, um, you you guys have probably heard this a lot before. Like, you can't you know win your league in the first two rounds, but you can definitely lose it in fantasy. Um, and without you know, without a doubt, Joe Mixon for the past couple of years, he's been, you know, a pretty disappointing fantasy aspect for various reasons. You know, last year it was the injury, you know, the year before that it was like, you know, he was pretty bad in the first half of the year to the point where he was on waiver wires. And then he ended up like winning you, you know, the year like David Montgomery. So he's never really been that consistent guy that you can always feel safe about locking into your lineup. And that's like the main problem I have with him going in the second round, because I remember um, it was either me and Joey or maybe three of us in a group chat. Um, 
we were talking about like, oh, Joe Mixon, he's such a good value in like the middle of the third right now. And Joey, I remember you asked me, you're like, are you on board with it? It's your dog. I'm like, yeah, dude, like the third round, that's when I can get on board with people, you know, with this crazy upside, you know, because it's it's obvious. You can see the path to 300, you know, plus touches this year. Like if he stays healthy and like that's what it is, it's going to happen this year because Gio Bernard's gone. Like Joey was saying, he's going to get a lot more of the passing down work, which is great. It's just the fact that he's never really panned out for a full season. And that's kind of what has me worried because I have never felt comfortable starting Joe Mixon in every game. And when I, you know, draft a player in the first two rounds, because now he, like I said, he's going in the middle of the second round, sometimes even early second. I just, I just, I just can't feel comfortable starting him every week, especially week one. And that's when I want to feel comfortable, um, you know, drafting a guy in those two rounds. Um, And I don't know if you guys saw yesterday, that doesn't really worry me too much, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on. It was, um, you know, how Joe Burrow actually looked horrible, you know, in his first couple of practices this year. Um, and that's, you know, giving me a little bit of pause with these Bengals because we've all expected them to be, you know, a great offense and kind of, you know, translate from where it was last year with all the pass attempts. I don't know if that's going to completely translate now because, you know, to have a good offense, you kind of have to have a quarterback who's not afraid and who, you know, can play well. Um, and that's something that's giving me a little bit of hesitancy with drafting these Bengals overall. So Joe Mixon and his current value – I understand the upside. I really do. And if you want to take it in there, I'm okay with it. It's just not something I'm going to do this year. Okay. That's My bad. last counterpoint to this before we move on is just that I understand the situation with Joe Burrow right now, but I will say that can change next week. That can change. Oh, cool. For sure. Yeah, yeah, I totally so, agree. Uh, if it's a that's consistent why, yeah. problem for three weeks, then I'll say, okay, maybe right. there's a little bit cause for concern. And even if Joe Burrow isn't fully comfortable, only more of a reason to dump it off to your running back rather than waiting for the guy downfield to get open. Another thing I want to add, this passing volume is going to be so huge for Mixon. So obviously we all, we all know he had that 42 point game against Jacksonville after those two games, even in bad matchups, he had 15 and 14.9 points, largely in part to his role as a pass catcher, He had seven, eight targets, as I mentioned before. So if he keeps that consistent target share, he can be consistent and still have blow up games. And I think that's really what's going to put him over the edge and make him a running back one. And that's why I feel comfortable. And Giovanni Bernard not being there is going to be the biggest component of that. Yeah, no, I think those are fair points. Again, <laughs> people can take it for what it is. And if you're listening, I mean, again, take take it, don't take it. I mean, again, there's a lot of different viewpoints here. And I think that's fair. Dom, who is your number one, my guy? Uh, my number one, my guy, is going to be Najee Harris, uh, running back for Pittsburgh Steelers, who's actually playing right now as we record on the Hall of Fame game. Um, so when people hear Najee, all they want to do is go to the O-line. You know, the, oh, this O-line's so bad. Oh, this O-line's horrible. I'm not touching it because this O-line's so bad. And that's kind of what my main argument is going to be here. So I just want to list off a few names for you guys. Dalvin Cook, James Robinson, Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, Miles Gaskin, Chris Carson, and Josh Jacobs. What do all these players have in common? They were all top 15 running backs last year on a points-per-game basis. That's great, right? So what else do these guys have in common? PFF rated all these running backs' offensive lines as bottom 12 in the league. I just listed off a lot of names, and they were all bottom 12 in offensive line. So that's right. Eight out of 15 of the top running backs in points per game last season had their offensive line ranked in the bottom 12 of the league. That's 53%. It's fair to say that a running back's offensive line is not really indicative of fantasy success whatsoever, or at least it's not an end-all be-all. It definitely matters, but it's not the end of the world. You, you can't – it's like using Devontae Smith's, like, small frame as, like, a reason not to draft him. Like, that's just one reason out of a huge piece of pie, right? So talent, opportunity, goal line work, pass catching, offensive scoring. Najee has all these in abundance. 
Tomlin histor- historically implements his workhorse running backs, and they didn't draft him in the first round to be in a committee with Benny Snell, right? So despite what you think about the Steelers in 2020 last season, as a team, they still finished top 12 in total points scored. When you're presented with the opportunity to draft Najee, just remember what I said about his talent opportunity and everything like that instead of his O-line, because that matters much, much more for a running back. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I like it. And I think the other thing I would say is, again, I talked about how we talk about that um, that stat later, 320-plus touches, 98% chance to be an RB1, 280-plus touches, which is 17 and a half a game. Um, that gives you an 87% chance off the bat to be an RB1. And I think Najee, I think, again, that stat speaks alone to what he's going to do because I think he's easily going to hit 17 and a half or more touches a game. I think the offensive line is absolutely yeah. brutal. But I think one of the things that I'm going to lean on more is the offense in general, that the offense is going to be good, regardless if it was bad offensive line, bad offense. Okay, maybe you have more of an argument, but I think the offense is still going to be good. What about you, Joey? Are you in on Najee Harris? Yeah, I definitely am. I, I love Najee as a player. Um, he's a perfect fit for this team. With, with all the needs the Steelers had, their priority was to establish that running game by drafting Najee Harris. So it, it speaks volumes as to how they're going to use him in this offense. My concern with the offensive line, obviously there's concern there, and it's not the end-all be-all, but what really doesn't help is if Big Ben goes down, right? Because we saw what this offense looked like without Big Ben, especially the running game, and it, it suffered. I mean, they could not get anything done on the ground. I think Najee is talented enough, and they have enough pieces to make it work. But Ben is not someone who I want to rely on staying healthy without that offensive line in front of him. I mean, this guy had to learn how to throw a football again last year. So, uh, you know, he's borderline retirement every year. I have a counterpoint to that. So why is Big Ben's hesitancy a thing, but Joe Burrows is not? Because his industry was more catastrophic. His offensive line is arguably even worse. And he's coming back from it just this year. So, and I don't really, and I'm not saying like I'm predicting Joe Burrow to get injured. That was just kind of my, my counterpoint there. And just saying like, well, any quarterback can really get injured. So I don't really see that as, you know, a really big deal for Najee. You're not drafting a running back and scared about their quarterback getting injured because that can happen to seriously every single person in the league. No, I, 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 I'm going to disagree there. I think Joe, I mean, Joe Burrow just tore almost like three different CLs. I talked about it on my podcast with multiple injury people. I mean, he tore his ACL, MCL, and I think PCL. And then Big Ben has stayed, has played 16 games just one time since 2014. I mean, like, I mean again, I'm a little bit worried about his health, but not super much because that's going to lead right into my next my guy, which is Deontay Johnson. Um, he's my first my guy sticking on that theme of the Steelers. But I just absolutely love Deontay. And for people that listen to the podcast that don't, that means that know it, know I love him. And for the final time, I'm going to give the reasons why. The biggest thing that I love, Deontay Johnson, and again, if you want to tune out for me because you've heard me talk about him too much, that's fine. <laughs> but at least listen to this. From weeks six on last year most of the season 11 games Deontay Johnson was the wide receiver seven in half PPR and that's while he missed week six and the reason that I don't include those first six weeks is the fact that he had two games that he actually played through those first two weeks but then he had a game that he played 24 percent of the snaps injured eight percent of the snaps injured missed a game and had the bye week in that stretch which is just absolutely brutal luck but after that he was the wide receiver seven in fantasy from week six on 
And that's while he dropped at least 10 to 16 passes, depending on the site. That's 10 to 16 times that he was open last year and he didn't get those yards. Imagine if he did catch those. But the biggest thing I love about him is Matt Harmon's reception perception, where he grades how well that receivers get open against different types of coverage. And he grades them since 2014 and the higher the percentile. So 100th percentile is the best ever against a certain type of coverage. And since 2014, Deontay Johnson finished in the 95th percentile beating man coverage, the 96th percentile beating zone coverage, 86th percentile beating press coverage, beat double teams 87% of the time. And I think the thing is that that people worry so much that just because they drafted Najee that they're not going to pass the ball. I mean, this is still a Steelers team that was top two in pass attempts in three out of the last four years. The only year that they didn't was the year that Big Ben played two games before he went down with that elbow injury. But the biggest thing that I would say to people is, again, I I did a study myself because I wanted to dig in more. I took their worst pass attempt since 2012, which was 36.4. I multiplied that by Deontay Johnson's 22.9% target share, and I still got 133 targets when he had 144 last year. And that target share includes the games that he played 24%, 8%, missed the game. That's the whole season target share. And then after that, I know people worry about the drops, but this is a guy that still played in 75% of the snaps in 12 out of 13 games that he played for the rest of the season um, after those injuries. And the only game that he didn't was that game against Buffalo that everyone knows where he dropped four balls on primetime. But again, like I said, Deontay Johnson is unreal at getting open and he was the wide receiver seven from week six on last year. And as I pointed out, he clearly does not have any concerns in the passing volume. Are you guys in on Deontay? Oh, I am a hundred percent in on Deontay so much so that I remember telling you that I wanted to make him a, my guy. And you're like, no, I, I'm, I'm taking Deontay. It's my show. I'm taking the guy I want. I'm like, okay, Alex, you do you. Like, I, I understand. So um, the reason why I love, um, you know, Najee and Deontay so much is because I love the Steelers in fantasy. Like, they're so predictable when Big Ben is there and when Tomlin is the coach that you know exactly what's going to happen. They're going to give their workhorse running back the ball, and they're going to absolutely pepper their wide receiver one. And their wide receiver one is undoubtedly Deontay Johnson because why? He's just the best wide receiver on the team. It's just straight up that easy. Um, so I, I really like that stat you you gave when you extrapolated, you know, the worst passing volume to, you know, what Deontay's target share was last year. That's really, really good. And I, I never thought about that before. And that only makes me want to draft him even more because the 136 targets or whatever you said, like in the fifth round where he's going right now, sometimes a six man just sign me up. He, he's just an auto pick for me. Like I've done a couple of Yahoo drafts this year, I think like five or six. Alex, you're in one with me, and that is the only league where I did not draft him because you got to him first. So that's how much I like Deontay Johnson this year. I love it. I love it. Joey, what about you? I love Deontay. And uh, last year, I mean, he was my DFS hero. It was like every week he was dirt cheap, and he was going to put up the points I wanted. So uh, he was my DFS hero last year. But uh, other than that, I mean, Big Ben clearly loves him, right? He's got – the targets from Big Ben, and that's not going to stop with Juju coming back. It's not going to stop with Chase Claypool going to year two. It's not going to stop with them drafting Najee Harris or Pat Fairmouth. It's it's a like, common phrase. Alphas eat first. So Deontay is going to get his, and then everybody else is going to get theirs. So I, I have no problem taking Deontay in the fifth round. Fourth round, I think, is even a good value. Uh, he could realistically be a top 10 guy at the end of the year. 100%. And I think Fantasy Pros just put out a stat they talked about in their podcast the other day that Deontay Johnson is going as the wide receiver 21 right now in consensus rankings. He is the only wide receiver 
going outside the top 12 wide receivers that averaged more than eight and a half targets last year. And he's going as wide receiver 21. And to take that further, he's the only player in the entire NFL going outside the top 40 picks. And he's the consensus pick 51 right now that averaged more than eight and a half targets a game. It's just absolutely ridiculous, but could, I mean, not as ridiculous maybe as, as your next guy that you're going to talk about, Joey, I love him. You love him. Maybe Dom loves him. We are talking about Elijah Moore as your second, my guy, please tell us why. So you're talking about how you haven't left a single draft without Deontay. I have not left a single draft or mock without taking Elijah Moore. I will reach on him if I need to. I mean, look, like I know camp hype is one thing, but this guy blew past the second team. He's already with the first team. He's already overtaken Keelan Cole, and it's been a week. I mean, I'm just so – I, I want to see what more he could do in the next couple weeks. Um, look, the, Elijah Moore is special. He's he's a special talent. Talking about uh, reception perception, Matt Harmon, he's a huge fan of Elijah Moore, as am I. Look, he's going to build that early chemistry with Zach Wilson, and that's going to be vital. That's going to be vital. There's not a guy on this team who is that exact wide receiver one. Corey Davis before last year, what was he? He was thought to be a bust, right? Who else do they have? Denzel Mims, who's, as far as I know, still playing with the second team. He's struggling to get grasp with this offense. Uh, Jameson Crowder, without Adam Gase, there's not going to be as much of a high concentration in that slot. And Crowder is more so Gase's guy. And he's only on the team because he took a pay cut. So there's there's a spot on this team for a wide receiver one to make a name for themselves. I think that guy's going to be Elijah Moore. You can get him in the 12th round right now, which is literally robbery, um, by the way. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just take Elijah Moore everywhere you can. He's going to be a top 20 wide receiver when the season's all said and done. Yeah, Dom, what do you think? Um, well, if you're taking a guy that late and he has the upside like Elijah Moore does, I'm never going to disagree with that. Like, I've, you know, come around to taking Elijah Moore. You know, these aren't the Jets of old. This isn't Adam Gase. This is a completely new regime, completely new quarterback, completely new basically everything. So uh, I am 100% like in on Elijah Moore to the extent where I will take him in that, you know, 12th round if I have to, just to see what happens. Cause you know, even if he doesn't hit in your one, it's at the point where it's not going to even hurt your team, right? Like a 12th round guy, you don't really even expect them to play for your team. They're kind of just upside shots anyway, you know, and who better to take an upside shot on than a guy who can be a wide receiver one for his team. And that's why like rookies intrigue me so much in fantasy is because you don't know, like, you know, who, you know, at this point who, you know, DJ Chark is who Marvin Joan is, you know, who, who all these guys who have been in the years, you know, in the league for three, four plus years, like you know who they are, and that's why they're going where they are. But with these rookies, you don't know who they, are, you know who they're going to be. Like AJ Brown was probably taken in the same range a couple of years ago, and he, you know, eventually broke out. Um, so I'm 100% in on Elijah Moore this year, just because I believe his upside is that high. What Joe was saying. Yeah. And another thing too, I, I just want to add on real quick. If you look at the 49ers and how they utilize their wide receivers. They're fantastic about getting their wide receivers into space. I mean, look at Brandon Ayuk, look at Debo Samuel, the creative ways they use these guys. And you look at Mike LaFleur, who's coming from San Francisco, and he's going to apply that to this offense as well. So Elijah Moore is going to be used in very, very good ways. Yeah, I think, Joey, we, we relate in a different way. You said you haven't left a draft without him. I've done three drafts so far this season, including a dynasty startup, and I have Elijah Moore in all three, um, one dynasty startup and two Yahoo leagues. Um, for this year, he's a guy that I want to get in every single draft right now. Like you said, he's 
phenomenal in reception perception. And I think one of the things that people forget about that's sometimes interesting to look at for NFL success, and I know there's not an exact metric that predicts this, but look at wide receiver pipelines, like with LSU, with Odell Beckham, Jarvis yep. Landry, and then Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall. Look at, look at Ole Miss. People are sleeping on them. DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, and those guys love Elijah Moore. AJ Brown and DK Metcalf. They they think that he's oh, the next yeah. big thing. There's interviews saying it. I mean, beat reporters for the Jets were saying they were tired of writing about Elijah Moore because all this guy <laughs> has done is show up and show out each and every day. Um, Elijah Moore is a guy that I'll be targeting in every single one of my drafts this year, and I will try to get him in every single league because he is legitimate wide receiver two upside when he's going outside the 12th round right now, which is absolute madness. Um, but like I said, Elijah Moore wheels up this year. Um, Dom, who is your number two, my guy? My number two, my guy, and right now probably one of, if not the highest drafted players on all of my teams right now is Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is probably one of the most disrespected superstars in the NFL. And yes, I said superstar because that's exactly what he is. Um, for those of you who don't know, Aaron Jones has been a top five running back each of the past two years, including last year when he missed the game. So he's been in that top five upside every single year, you know, well, not every single year, but for the last two years. And like, how, what else do you, you know, you want in a player? It's my, it's my argument for Derrick Henry. Like, you know, he's, he's been in the top for the past couple of years. Like you can't really ask for anything else. And when he's going after guys like, you know, Saquon, Jonathan Taylor, I don't know if that's true now, but like, it just goes back to the point where you, you can't, you know, win your league in the first two rounds, but you can definitely lose it. And when you're drafting Aaron Jones and he's, he's even going around two right now, like Alex, we just did the, you know, that Yahoo draft together. And I think I got him with the, the, the 13th pick. Um, it's just, it's just madness because like, he's just so disrespectful. He's like Alvin Kamara light. And you know, people always, want to say like oh but what about aj dylan he's going to take a lot of work like i like aaron jones's prospects now even more than i like them for the past two years because i think jamal williams hurt aaron jones more than um, aj dylan will because jamal williams was in on a lot of passing downs he was in on basically every single two minute drill and to me if aaron jones gets you know those more receptions he's in on you know the the fantasy gold mine the two minute drill i think that's going to be more valuable than aj dylan maybe will drink a touchdown here you know every other game or so because pass catching is that much more reliable when it comes to a consistent fantasy floor and that is what you want in aaron jones because he has been a little bit volatile over the past couple of years like two years ago like he either won you games or he lost you games so I am 100% in on Aaron Jones this year, wherever you want to take him in the first round outside of the top five picks. He is absolutely locked and loaded for me every single time. Joey, your thoughts? So Aaron Jones is someone who I was okay with taking in the end of the first round, even not knowing the Aaron Rodgers situation and how that was going to unfold. <laughs> but look, I mean, everything A.J. Dillon can do, Aaron Jones can do the same, or if not better. Mm -hmm. Right. With Jamal Williams, he was a compliment to Aaron Jones and he complimented him very well. But I think with the new contract Jones has and the fact that they don't really add anyone to fill that void that Williams left, Aaron Jones is going to see a lot, a lot, a lot of targets and he's going to be used a lot in early downs. AJ Dillon is going to be there to be the compliment. But, you know, m my bet here is that Aaron Jones finishes as a top five running back again. 
Yeah, I, I get. And another thing I would like to. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Alex. No, it's history. History at the end of the day. Yeah. I think the thing dead on. He's been top five each of the last two years. I think the only pessimism I have, and I'm gonna, I'll give my optimism. I have. I mean, he's my RB six right now. Um, as they did lose David Bakhtiari, who doesn't look like he's gonna play much next season with the ACL. Mm-hmm. And then they also lost Corey Lindsley, who's a, their center, who is the best center in football. And then Green Bay also scored on an NFL high. 80% of their red zone attempts last year, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, wow. So there's a chance that the touchdowns could go down a little bit for Aaron Jones. But again, I'm still going to bet on the guy all day that's playing in this offense with Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams. Again, he's been a top five running back for the last two years. And I think the other thing that Joey brought up a really good point is they made Aaron Jones the sixth highest paid running back in the NFL when they could have re-signed Jamal Williams for two or three million a year and given it to A.J. Dillon, who was their second round pick last year, and just said, we're running with those guys. But they said, whether for smart or for dumb, we are going to make Aaron Jones the sixth highest most paid running back in the NFL after driving, drafting a second round rookie in A.J. Dillon, who was awesome when he played last year. That says to me that they love Aaron Jones, that they're going to feed Aaron Jones, and that he's going to be a big player for them. I'm all in on Aaron Jones. Um, right. But that, and, Don, uh, you have one more quick thing to add before we go to break? I, I do, just very, very quickly. So you were saying like you think the touchdowns may come down for Aaron Jones. Well, I actually think that could be quite the opposite because, as we know, Aaron Aaron Rodgers last year threw for 9.1% touchdown rate, which I believe was, you know, an all-time NFL high. So if that regresses, like I think every single smart person in the world expects, um, there's still going to be a great offense overall, and that may mean more rushing touchdowns for Aaron Jones or at least more opportunity. So that's, that's the one counterpoint I'll have to his touchdowns coming down. Yeah, and one last little tidbit I just want to <laughs> – every time we're like, no, this one more thing. Um, I mean, Aaron Jones – I mean, Aaron Rodgers' potential farewell tour, right? If he's yep. doing that, he's going to want his guys on the field, and Aaron Rod- Aaron Jones is going to be on the field with him. 100%. 100%. I think the only thing with touchdowns, I mean, he has averaged 15 touchdowns over the last two years. But like I said, I mean, I think that with regression and then like with the Aaron Rodgers' regression with the touchdown percentage, I think it's probably going to even out. Um, I'm just expressing the concerns that you could look at. But again, for me, Aaron Jones locked and loaded RB6 right now. But with that – Dom, that is your second My Guy, and we are going to take a quick break before we get into the back half of the show. We are back, and we are getting into our second My Guy. And I will say we're recording this on a Thursday night. I draft in my league of record tomorrow night, and thankfully this podcast will air after my league of record drafts because I want no one to know that I will be drafting this player. This is a guy that I've left in almost every single draft that I could this year, and that is DeAndre Swift. Um, before Before you start getting upset about DeAndre Swift, I was not a believer in DeAndre Swift three weeks ago at all. And then I read a couple of Twitter threads from some really, really smart guys at Ron Stewart on Twitter and DF Bean Counter, Drew Ozenchuk, um, and Jacob Gibbs for, the, um, for Sportsline also wrote a great article. But I'm here to present you with some of that information. So the biggest thing about DeAndre Swift that people don't realize, he's going as the consensus running back 16, I think, right now, and half PPR, half PPR. And he was the running back 18 last year in half PPR while only playing 12 games. And Adrian Peterson averaged over 10 touches a game last year. This is a team that was 13th in run blocking. And then they added Panay Sewell and kept their other four starters that will already gel together. And then you could point at the narrative that look at Dan Campbell. He's coming from the Saints. Look at their running backs with Alvin Kamara. Look at Anthony Lynn and how he used Austin Eckler as a good pass catching back. And the biggest thing that people are worried about seeing the reports that the one-two punch with Swift and Deion and Williams. But Albert Breer, who I think is one of the most credible reporters in the entire NFL, so that what he's seen and heard in talking to Lions camp is that Swift will be the bell cow. But if you don't like Swift, listen, anyone that does not like Swift or you do like Swift, listen to what I'm about to say because this is the biggest point that I can possibly make. 
Lance Zerline, who grades running backs for NFL.com, has been one of the biggest and best running back graders over the last few years. So DeAndre Swift is one of seven running backs to earn a 6.7 or higher graded from Lance Zerline's running back grades. The other six running backs are Saquon Barkley, Zeke Elliott, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, Melvin Gordon, and Todd Gurley. The biggest thing about those guys is that five of those six players hit a top eight season in fantasy in their first two years. The only player to not do that is Dalvin Cook because of injuries. Another stat from Jacob Gibbs of Sportsline. Since 2017, only three running backs ever were targeted on at least 23% of their charted routes and were 21 years old or younger. Those guys Christian McCaffrey, who finished running back one overall that year, Saquon Barkley, who finished running back one overall that year, and then DeAndre Swift. The other thing that I also saw a stat the other day is that Christian McCaffrey averages 10 targets and losses and six and wins. This is a team with the Lions that has a very low win total, which could be more targets for Swift. And the last thing I'll say is that, or the last two things, one, the last year in the bottom two teams in touchdowns in the NFL were the two New York teams who averaged 1.6 touchdowns per game, which is 27 offensive touchdowns at worst. I know the Lions, you're saying they're not going to score a lot, but again, 27 offensive touchdowns, who's going to be scoring them? Tyrell Williams, Quintez Cephas, Brashad Perryman, are you kidding me? Some Hawkinson, but I think DeAndre Swift is the guy. But the last thing I will say, and the reason that I think that DeAndre Swift is a real chance to break fantasy football this year, is that the overall all running back one in all of fantasy football each of the last six years has had at least at minimum 87 catches, and five out of those six guys had over 100 catches last year. I'm all in on DeAndre Swift. Joey, let me hear your thoughts first. So, I mean, love everything you said. Um I didn't get scared off by the Jamal Williams uh, addition. I didn't get scared off by Williams being 1A and Swift being the 1B. There's 342 vacated targets in Detroit right now. Who the heck is going to come in? I don't know if we can curse on this. Who the heck is going to come in and take those targets? It's not going to be Perriman. It's not going to be Tyrell Williams. It's not going to be any of those guys, like you said. There's going to be a boatload of targets ready for Swift as soon as he gets into the game. He averaged like 38% of the snaps last year. He's going to come in, play at least 50 or 60. He could easily be running back one. I remember before they added Jamal Williams, everybody was talking about Swift being a potential top eight running back. And I don't really think Swift changes all that much, especially because they haven't added any wide receivers. And at that point, we didn't know if they were going to. So I'm all in on Swift, just like you. Um, I've moved him... I moved him up quite a bit recently. I moved him up over Clyde Edwards-Alaire, which is another conversation for another day. That's interesting. J- Dom, I-, I know you like Swift. <laughs> I do. Uh, you texted me about a couple days ago, just out of the blue, asking, what do you think about Swift? And I told you my thoughts. I was like, oh, I was neutral. Like, I believe in the talent like, more than anyone. And for those of you who don't, all I say to you is go watch the Washington highlights where he played Washington football team last year. And that's all you need to see is uh, Dalvin Cook 2.0. That's all I have to say about that. Um, but you know, you, you gave me all those stats that, you know, you just said during the podcast, and I think you articulated that very well. Um, and that just made me that more confident in drafting Swift. And a lot of people are off of him, especially for the bad offense, which I can see, you know, there, there probably will be a little bit of inconsistency next year, even if he will have a lot of, um, passing work, but that's okay because literally every single person other than Devonte Adams and Christian McCaffrey can be inconsistent here and there. So like I'm definitely in on Swift in the end of the third round, which is where he's going right now, but that is definitely a safe, comfortable place where I am okay with taking him. 
You know what? I'm I'm gonna do it on this podcast. I haven't told anyone this, but I'm 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 ready oh. to do it right now. I'm gonna drop my own little Woj bomb. Call it an Alex bomb. Call it whatever you want. This year, for people that listen to the podcast, know that Jalen Hurts is my my guy of all my guys. He's my flag plant. And just for just for you know saying it, my flag plant has been right the last two years. I predicted that Chris Godwin would be a top five wide receiver in 2019. I predicted that Calvin Ridley would be a top 20 wide receiver in 2020. That is from spending endless hours looking into these certain players that like, and, and I just believed it. And I happened to be right. Of course, there's a little bit of luck that ended up in that, but I was right. And Jalen Hurts is my flag plant this year, but I'm going to change my flag plant right now to DeAndre Ooh. Swift because of everything I said, DeAndre Swift is going to be a top five running back in fantasy football this year. If you disagree with me and you want to hear more about these threads, DM me at Alex Caruso on Twitter. I will send you the threads and make you to believe. I did not believe about DeAndre Swift before three weeks ago until I read these things. I will send them to you and I will convince you, I promise. And if you don't, you are going to miss out because DeAndre Swift will be a top five running back in fantasy football this year. But that is it. We've had enough DeAndre Swift talk. I know you guys are tired of hearing about him. So, Joey, what is your number three, my guy, your final one? Someone who I'm hoping to convince everybody of this year, and I don't know if it was just me or a combination of other people, but Alex, you're starting to get there. Dom, I'm not sure where you stand, but I think you're just about where I am too. Um, Travis Etienne, insane value this year in a PPR. Right now you can get him at the end of the fourth. I talked about robbery with Elijah Moore. Travis Etienne is another guy who could be a top 10 running back this year in PPR. It's just going to come down to usage, right? First of all, he's been unstoppable at camp. want to put that out there. Uh, second of all, James Robinson, is he special because he's a great running back? Or is he special because of what he did as an undrafted free agent last year? Uh, yeah, I, that the answer that I've dug into is the latter. I mean, he is not a special running back. Everything he did last year was because of the volume he got. On a per-touch basis, he wasn't in the top 30 in any efficiency category in terms of yards per touch or anything like that. So Robinson was not a good running back. He just got a ton of volume. He had one of the highest opportunity shares. I think he was first in opportunity share in the entire league. So Travis Etienne, he's coming in. He's the best pass catcher in this running back class by far. He's going to be reunited with his buddy, Trevor Lawrence. Um, I mean, look, Lawrence is the golden boy. The golden boy is the reason that Urban Meyer came out of retirement, you know, started coaching the NFL, whatever you want to call it. If golden boy wants his number one running back at his side, he's going to be there. And they envision Travis Etienne. Urban Meyer envisions him as this slash player, this running back slash wide receiver and to me, that only speaks volumes because I think he's a better running back than James Robinson. And even if we don't figure that out in the first five games, it's going to be a situation where he's going to see more and more work as the season goes on. And then as a pass catcher, he's going to get that from the start. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of Travis Etienne. Down the stretch, I'll flight plant, whatever, however I'm supposed to do that. Top five running back in the last stretch of the year. Okay, I like that. I like that. Dom, your thoughts? Yeah, Joey, the thing I like most about you is you put your money where your mouth is. Like, you, if you love a player, you get him in every single league. And I know that because we just had the Instagram league where, you know, the you know the IG experts Instagram, like the biggest <laughs> no, league on Instagram, you got drafted the 1.02. I was the 1.03 with my team of state of mind. And you're like, bro, let me move down because I do not want you to snipe ETN in the third round like you did to me a couple weeks ago. 
So you you literally gave me the 1.02 where I can draft McCaffrey or Mahomes, whichever fell, just so you can get ETN before me. And I'm like, you know what? That is conviction right there. You won my utmost respect. And to put on this point, like I think you probably saw my post a couple weeks ago where I said like one of my biggest hot takes that I believe in this year is that ETN will lead the Jaguars in receptions this year um, from the running back position, believe it or not. Um, that's mainly because no other receiver on their team profiles as like that absolute, you know, possession guy. Chenault can be that, but I don't think we can project it right now. And Marvin Jones and Sharkley, if we know who they are, they're not, you know, those possession type of receivers. And like you were saying, ETN is his, is Trevor Lawrence's safety blanket. And those receptions are going to be very easy for ETN to make because they're going to be close to the line of scrimmage. And that's just what you want in a PPR league, right? That's what you're saying. End of the fourth in the PPR. And for a guy that can actually lead his team in receptions from the running back spot, I am I am a hundred percent in on ETN this year. I like him a lot, and I've actually seen him go a lot later than the fourth round in a lot of drafts. Yeah, I, I like I like ETN. He's he's definitely starting to grow in me. I think James Robinson's better than people realize. I mean, he was fifth in the NFL last year in evaded tackles. He was thirteenth in juke rate. 15th in yards per route run, 15th in target share. I mean, he definitely did a lot of things, but he was number 66 in fantasy points for opportunity, um, which is definitely wow. pretty ugly. But he was sixth. I think I think yards created is a better metric, and he was 17th in yards created per touch, 6th in yards created overall, but I think some of that's because of volume. But per touch, um, number 17. But I think that's where I was beforehand, and I was worried this was going to be a committee because Urban Meyer likes Carlos Hyde, and he likes James Robinson. But – Again, this is a Jaguars team that is not like a Super Bowl contender, at least right this second. And the fact that in the first round after hiring Urban Meyer that they would target a running back in Travis Etienne, that alone says to me that he's going to be the guy this year. James Robinson can be as good as he possibly wants to be, but that was a different regime that had him. And in the first pick of Urban Meyer's tenure, when they need all kinds of other positions besides Trevor Lawrence, sorry, the second pick because of Trevor Lawrence, they chose a running back when they could have gone after so many other positions to help improve them. I mean, that to me says that they're going to use this guy. I think Travis Etienne is the best running back out of this rookie class, even over Najee Harris. Um, mm. I love Travis Etienne, and he's definitely a guy that's definitely starting to grow on me. I would probably take him as the borderline top 20 running back. Joey, I will ask you real quick before we move on to Dom's my guy. How high, like what pick in drafts would you take him? Would you take him top 40, top 30? Where would you? Where'd you where's the highest you'd be willing to take him? So right realistically, <laughs> re- realistically, uh, you said in front of Mixon. <laughs> Realistically, uh, you know, I obviously want to take the value where you can. But if I had to reach on him, the highest I would take him is the early third. Okay. All right. Good to know. Dom, who is your final my guy for the season? Well, for those of you who have listened to Alex's and oh, I's uh, debate episode, <laughs> this will give you flashbacks like you're in Vietnam because my number three my guy is wide receiver Keenan Allen. So from the time Herbert took over for the Chargers offense in week two, Keenan Allen was otherworldly. He he played 12 completely healthy games that season, weeks two through 14. And those 12 weeks, Allen averaged a whopping 12 targets per game. This includes two 19-target games. Allen was third in total points and in points per game in that span. Uh, He was right behind Adams and Tyreek Hill. In other words, Allen was elite last season whenever Herbert was on the field and when he was healthy. And Herbert in year two is only going to get better because that's what rookies do. Each year they just get better. Those second year and third year breakouts are real. Um, This offensive line was ranked 32nd in the league last year, which for those of you who aren't keeping track, that's the worst. And they just completely overhauled their offensive line to possibly a top 15 unit this year. So I think the sky is the limit for Keenan Allen this year. 
I don't think his touchdown upside is insane. It could be better now with Herbert because I believe this version of Herbert is the best quarterback that Allen has ever played with. Yes, that includes an aging Phillip Rivers. So I think that he is locked in for 100-plus receptions. His yardage is probably going to be around that 12 to 1,300 range, and his touchdown is going to be probably 6 to 8. And that is an absolutely great wide receiver one you can have for your team. And then sometimes the late third round, people are not convinced about Keenan Allen this year. He's like the upgraded Robert Woods. I don't know what it is, but he always goes later than he should in drafts. And that is why Keenan Allen is my number third my guy this year. Joey, your thoughts? You said the the range for Keenan Allen is six to eight touchdowns? I believe it's six to eight, but you're not drafting him for touchdowns. You're drafting him for his safe PPR floor with 100-plus receptions and those receiving yards. And, and that's my point. You're not drafting him for touchdowns. But I believe he had, like, a touchdown in every single game he played with Justin Herbert. It, it was, like, five or six games in a row where he had just had that automatic touchdown every single week. And then you take away a guy like Hunter Henry – I think you're kind of undervaluing 17 games. How many touchdowns Keenan Allen can actually get? I think he could get 10 plus. I think that's part of his upside. I think it's possible. And I don't want to say that even though it's possible. It's just looking back at his history to the point where, you know, it, it would be a little bit, not asinine, but it would be a little hard for me to convince myself that that is absolutely going to happen this year. Even though I think it could, I would just put it safe six to eight. And that's okay because he's still my number six ranked receiver. It's just because of his safe floor and his yardage. And if he gets those 10 touchdowns, great. He's going to be a top three guy, which is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm in on him at his price. I think I have him, I have him right now what? ranked as my, my wide receiver nine. Uh, one thing I will say to the OG listeners that listen to the Me and Dom episode, that's probably the only time you've ever heard me even half angry on a podcast. And <laughs> I think that's that's definitely the only time where I, I really was like a bit fired up talking to Dom. And it's mostly because me and Dom are friends. So I wasn't worried about like being a little bit more edgy, but I apologize for those people because that's probably the only time I've ever been upset on the podcast. But I mean, I, I'm I cried cool. after. I, I did cry a little I'm kidding, bit, I'm kidding, but I'm I, kidding. Had, <laughs> I had good quality tissues. I had bought some Kleenex before and like the Snuggy, the Snuggy tissues that are really soft. Uh, double play. I had those. Yeah, those are, those are good. Nice. My mom got some. So that helped me get through it. But Keenan Allen averaged, I mean, sorry, he had at least 10 targets in four of his last five games. Um, and that includes the games where Austin Eckler was playing. So I'm not worried about that target share. Um, I think Keenan Allen's as safe as he gets in fantasy. He's my wide receiver nine. Um, again, Keenan Allen, I think it's a solid my guy. Um, but my final my guy is not my flag plant anymore. I was saving this one, but I decided DeAndre Swift's the guy that I believe in even more than Jalen Hurts at this point. Jalen Hurts is my my guy. People that listen to this podcast know that I absolutely adore Jalen Hurts, and I'm here to tell you why. Again, there's no love lost for Jalen Hurts. I just believe that much in DeAndre Swift this year, and I will be trying to acquire him in every single league. But Jalen Hurts, I mean, passed for over 330 yards in two of his three starts last year. He averaged 79 rushing yards per game in those three starts. But the biggest thing that people miss is the fact that his offensive line last year, playing a 16-game schedule, missed a total of 48 games among five players. That's absolutely ridiculous. And the fact that they're going to get a healthy offensive line and they drafted Landon Dickerson this year is going to help out with the offensive line. I think they're going to be much better. But again, like I said with DeAndre Swift, if I want to give you one stat alone that should convince you, here it is. This is a stat from Ian Harditz, friend of the show. Again, had to plug him in. In the 22 instances since 2010 of a quarterback totaling at least 100 rushing attempts in a season, 15 of those 22 finished as a top eight fantasy QB. That is 68%. Four of those seven that did not 
were top eight in fantasy points per game and either took over during the season or got hurt. That is 19 out of 23, sorry, out of 22 right now, which is 87%. The three that did not do it, that were not top eight in points per game, were 2012 Tim Tebow, 2014 Colin Kaepernick, and 2020 Cam Newton. Averaged four and a half rush attempts per game and were not top eight. Jalen Hurts, I think, is going to average more than four and a half attempts, which brings his ceiling up even more. And the fact that Tim Tebow, Colin Kaepernick, and last year's Cam Newton with that team were the only quarterbacks to not be top eight quarterbacks when playing purely because of rushing upside. I mean, again, that alone should prove to you how good Jalen Hurts is just because of how much rushing upside is a cheat code. I'm not here to tell you that Jalen Hurts is a phenomenal player, but in fantasy football, the game that we play, the game that we love, Rushing upside is a cheat code, and that stat alone says that if he averages at least four and a half rushing attempts per game in the games that he's going to play, he has an 87% chance of finishing as a top eight fantasy QB. And then you add in last year that he was the QB three over his three starts and the QB seven if you count his fourth start where he didn't play the fourth quarter against the Washington football team. And then you add Devontae Smith to this team. You add one of the best pass-catching running backs in this entire NFL draft this year and Kenneth Gainwell to replace Miles Sanders as the pass catcher who dropped like 10 passes last year. I mean, again, I think the ceiling is the roof. As Michael Jordan once said, they're also going to get Zach Ertz back who's been making plays in camp. And I think the reports out of camp about Jalen Hurts have all been good. And the last thing I'm going to say about Jalen Hurts is the offense. Last year, he was the QB3 playing in Carson Wentz's offense. Now they have a full offseason to tailor the offense towards Jalen Hurts with new coach Nick Sirianni. Jalen Hurts has been hot in practice. I absolutely love Jalen Hurts. I think he's going to be this year's Kyler Murray of what was the year before Lamar Jackson. He's absolutely ridiculous. Jalen Hurts, what do you guys think? You sound exactly like how I sound when I'm describing Jalen Hurts. He would have been my guy if you didn't want, you know, if I could have four guys, he would be right there with me. But, you know, when you think back to the last couple of years, and I don't know if it was you who said this or someone else, but you think about like league winners from last year, right? Mm-hmm. The league winner last year was like Josh Allen. You got him late in drafts. The league winner the year before that was Lamar Jackson. who You got late in drafts. The league winner before that year was Patrick Mahomes. who You got late in drafts this year, a guy like Jalen hurts. If he truly finishes top five, which is very possible considering how much there's been a 180 in his situation in philadelphia he could be a league winner and i'm right on board next to you i've taken him in a ton of drafts already i took him over russell wilson in one of my drafts and i got a lot of heat for it i mean i I love russell wilson too i just kind of wanted my guy so um what do you think dom are you pro kurtz Oh yeah, absolutely. Like Alex knows I am. Like we did a quarterbacks ranking show on on you know his podcast months ago, and Alex was like, "Oh, we're gonna have so many people, you know, you know that are far apart from each other." Our list ended up being basically identical, and Hurts was both of our number six quarterbacks. So um, the only thing I will say, just to give a little bit of a counterpoint, is they did come out with like news yesterday saying that Deshaun Watson could be a spot for the Philadelphia Eagles, and I've always been in the camp of like. I don't think they're convinced that Jalen Hurts is their long-term answer. And, you know, if he plays great this year, then he absolutely will be, which is why I'm not really buying him in dynasty leagues. But, but, but don't hear what I'm not saying for redraft for this year, for 2021, which is pretty much probably what 89% of us are listening to right now is for the redraft. Jalen Hurts is going to be great whenever he steps in the field, just because he is giving you a baseline of 11 points when he's on the field because of his rushing upside. So, you know, include that with all his, you know, throwing stats, you know, his touchdowns doesn't matter. Jalen Hurts already has a baked in 10 point floor just for stepping foot on the field. And that's why I like taking him this year. 
my counterpoint to that Deshaun Watson thing would be, you know, the, the real report that came out today or yesterday was that there's no imminent trade news for Deshaun Watson. Another thing being with Philadelphia, it's not so much a lack of confidence because I mean, like if you have a chance to get a guy like Deshaun Watson, rather than, you know, hoping that Jalen Hurts can be that guy, you, you take it, right? Like, that's, you have true a chance yeah, that, that's true. You know, if you, if you can, if you have a chance of getting Deshaun Watson, you do that. So, uh, but I will also say that's one of the only things I was concerned with Jalen Hurts for a while. But if you realistically think about it, how do you trade a guy with 22 charges against it? Like you can't physically trade a guy like that. Like, what do you, what do you ask for? What do you get in return? Unless the team is willing to pay up and then potentially pay the price for a guy who might not even be in the league for the next year and a half or two years. It's just, I don't see Deshaun Watson trade happening this year. And even if it does, Jalen Hurts still gets the entire 2021 year to fall out. So that's just how I feel about that. I'm not worried about it anymore. Yeah, me, me either. I'm not worried. All reports that have come out said the Eagles aren't trading for him. I think the one thing that I want to note for people is they might be saying, okay, well, I mean, the fact that they could trade for him. Well, the fact that they could trade for him is because of all the draft capital that they have. Um, and I think that draft capital is what they did in trading Carson Wentz, where they could have if Carson Wentz plays 75 plus percent of the snaps this year, which is worried because of his injury. They could have two extra first round picks next year, which would give them three first round picks, um, which is primed to trade for Deshaun Watson again. Like if you have that option, you definitely have to take it. But at least for this year, Hurst should be the guy. We never, ever, ever see a player that has this much going against them, like with Deshaun Watson as I mean traded we never see that kind of players traded when there's that much going on we always see with whoever it is that the legal stuff gets resolved before they get traded so at least this season Jalen Hurts is the guy I'm not saying that long term and in dynasty that Jalen Hurts is going to be the QB of the future I'm not saying that but this year in fantasy I think he's going to be an absolute cheat code um, I'm, all, I'm all in on Jalen Hurts and I'm trying to get him in as many drafts as I can um, but that is it that is the my guys episode um, Dom and Joey, thank you. Joey, I will start with you because I introduced Dom first. Do you have any closing thoughts or anything that you want to plug or tell the listeners about? Oh, uh, what do I want to plug? Hmm. Fantasy Expo is coming up. I'm excited. I'm going to get to meet Alex. Maybe we can do an in-person podcast. That would be sick. Ten days. Ten days. And Dom? Uh, I wish I could be there with you guys, but unfortunately, I'll be out of town working. Uh, maybe I can take the 12-hour trip from Nashville to come see you guys. Um, Dude, we'll we, see We'll see how my schedule lines up because I will have a couple days of downtime. We'll see if it uh, We'll see if it all goes together. But no, for those of you who don't follow um, my Instagram at Fantasy Football State of Mind, no periods, no underscores, no spaces, please do so. It's a great time to start following us. We're going to have some really good interesting content for you guys this year. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, follow me too. Yeah, absolutely. No, don't follow Joey. Well, follow, you can follow Dom at Fantasy Football State of Mind on Instagram, and you can follow Joey at Fantasy.Football.Analyst on Instagram. Um, two great guys, two great follows, especially if you use Instagram. I know some people on here probably listen to just use Twitter, but again, if you use Instagram, follow these guys. They are two of the people that got me into fantasy football a few years ago, or two of the premium accounts that I would always look for for fantasy football advice, and I'm very thankful to have them as friends to get them on the show. Highly recommend following them, but you can follow me at Alex Caruso on Twitter, at Fresh underscore Fantasy on TikTok, at Alex underscore Caruso underscore on Instagram. Just one more shameless plug. But again, if anything, and you're listening to this podcast as it's winding down, draft DeAndre Swift. You are going to regret it at the end of the year if you don't. I'm, I'm going for three out of three flag plants in a row. Like I said, you will be sorry if you don't draft DeAndre Swift. And if you still aren't in on him, DM me at Alex Crusoe on Twitter. I will convince you why. Um, but that is it. 
for anyone still listening, sorry, thank you so much for listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast today. I really appreciate, um, I would appreciate a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the best way to help me grow and to show me to more people if you enjoyed this episode. So I appreciate that and I appreciate any feedback that you can give. With that said, please leave a review. You guys already know what to do and I hope you all have a great rest of your day.